You have queued up The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? Welcome to another episode of The Roulette Tapes. I'm Susan James, guitarist, vocalist, songwriter, composer, improviser. Wendy Eisenberg fills these roles with sensitivity and extended technique. Roulette is proud to host their residency. We'll hear recent works from Wendy's contributions to our programming as they introduce each piece. Here's Wendy Eisenberg. Partner looks at I play guitar and sing and play banjo, and I write music. I first started exploring music when I was five, and my mom put me in piano lessons. But as I think about it, it was actually a little earlier, because when I was three or four, I was able to hear melodies and play them on the piano. And so my mom found some sort of meaning in that and tried to push me in that direction. And I started as a guitar player in earnest when I was 11 and my parents taught me and I was mostly self-taught until I went to music school. Yeah, so I started to play piano because my parents wanted to encourage me to explore something musical. But as I progressed in it, I didn't find that it was the most true feeling expressive thing for me, at least sonically, even though I love the piano. There is something so regimented about learning piano. There is a pedagogy for it. But guitar, which I didn't know would be the foil for my piano explorations, was so open. Like The way that the guitar functions in the world is so referential. And I think that that's what was missing. Though, at the time, I just stopped playing piano because I was 11 and having a sort of emotional tantrum and quit. <laughs> And then I was completely bereft of expression, and my mom and dad taught me some chords. Release 
the instruments that inspire me as an artist is the guitar because it's the divining rod of at least American culture, if not Western culture generally. And so playing guitar and trying to put my own stamp on the practice makes me feel like I'm part of a weird, rich tapestry of history. And I couldn't be more grateful to be in that. But when I think of the instruments that inspire me the most outside of that, it's probably vibraphone. I love Bobby Hutcherson so much, and every new record I try to deepen my relationship to inspires me compositionally, aura-wise, everything, just because it's such an otherworldly effect. I first became aware of the power of the vibraphone when I was listening to Grishan Moncur III, who is one of my very favorite composers. I also love the trombone, <laughs> and that's what he does, but I just can't believe the way that Bobby plays on that. It's just everything sounds like he's making quotation marks on a gorgeous, very well-prepared canvas or something. But those are the two, at least within the jazz idiom instruments, that really grab me. They all kind of do. But when I was learning how to figure out what I wanted to say on the guitar, it was primarily saxophone players. I really wanted for many years to be like Charlie Parker level mutant about <laughs> playing changes and then it turned into something more Evan Parker-like or Ornette or Eiler when I'm playing noisier, truer things. So that's always just how I want the language to be shaped. Music is a project that I created because I got LASIK <laughs> and it was the most amazing practical choice of my life because now I can go swimming and see the world a little bit clearer without spending a lot of money on plastic and glass. But also it was amazing because the act of getting LASIK, which is so scary seeming before you do it, is like having a personalized beautiful structural film only for you that can never be repeated. <laughs> and I was so inspired by it because it's what some people might call a limit experience where it's just so transformational and beyond and extreme <laughs> that I was like, how, why is no one talking about that aspect of this weird elective surgery? Also, why isn't it free? I love it. So I had this completely absurd experience in October and 
I was thinking, what kind of music could go with a structural film that sounded like that? And I was also thinking, when you look at something, it's kind of like you're getting the input from two eyes, which are looking in two different directions. And so thinking about this piece from what of song form am I already doing versus what do I want to be hearing happen with it, it felt like I was blending like one eye viewpoint with another, which might not be the clearest thing, but it was what I was thinking. And so I created a suite for six instrumentalists, um, Tyrone Allen on bass, who I had known since before 2014 because we went to college together, but he was way younger than me, and Booker Stardrum on drums, and Chris Williams on trumpet, Zechariah L. Magarbell on the trombone and electronics, and it was supposed to be Patricia Brennan on the vibraphone, but she got COVID the day before, and I was freaking out, <laughs> thinking, that poor thing, and also, this is really about the vibraphone. What am I gonna do? Because I was listening to so much Krishan, like I always am, and something happened. I think Chris and I spoke on the phone, and I ended up going with the person who played piano on my senior recital at Eastman, where I went to undergraduate jazz studies program, Andrew Lynx on piano. And Andrew learned the music in a day, and we had a long rehearsal, and he knocked it out of the park. The new work that I'll be presenting February 3rd is a trio between Ryan Sawyer on drums and singing and Lester St. Louis on cello. I had a dream that I was playing with Ryan and so I called a session and we played together and it was nice and that felt good. And then I had another dream where I was playing with Ryan and Lester 
And then I had another dream where that band was called Studies and Loyalty. And so I'm not usually so into my dreams because they're mostly useless and entertaining and possibly revealing, but I don't even want to go there. But these dreams felt significant, and so I heeded it. And what we're going to be presenting is a combination of the song music that I write and the free improvisation worlds that I live in. And we kind of move between those within whatever environment we're occupying for some amount of minutes. <laughs> Look at how they treat you. That will tell you just what they think. Necessary Monsters is Carla Kilstead's project, which we performed at the Resonant Bodies Festival. And I met Carla when I was a student at New England Conservatory for my master's degree in contemporary improvisation. And she taught me songwriting, and I was late to every lesson, and still she hired me for this gig. <laughs> and she wrote this amazing long piece about different monsters. and gave them all these incredible musical personalities and there was this gigantic band that played it and a poet who still mails me so many postcards. Just, he's a mail artist, so 
Anyway, it was this luxurious five-day long rehearsal schedule of bonding and hardly any playing and then the most chill, expressive blend of song form and improvisation the way that I always want to do. She's been a hero of mine for as long as I've known about her and my admiration for the way that she runs her music and presents it just deepens every year. thing that I had the privilege of performing at Roulette for is Louisa Muir's Babel project, which she did as a part of her commission or as her commission concert. And she put together a large band of people that I knew or wanted to know from the improvising and creative music scene in New York, all to express this strange ritual of what gets expressed beyond verbal language. So she had a bunch of singers because she's excellent at singing and writing for singers, and a bunch of instrumentalists. It's actually where I met Patricia and where I got the idea to have her as a part of iMusic. And we all did some really interesting movements, and she had these beautiful costumes, and it was probably one of the more involved things that I'd been a part of, and I think it's a testament to what Roulette is capable of, that we had such a ritual celebration thing for Louise's project and that we could do it there and that it was treated with the reverence that it deserved. never really been strict about genre except for when I've wanted to use what I believe to be essential about a certain genre for a compositional effect. So I like to balance my approach to music making by using interesting parts of every genre 
and then juxtaposing them or ignoring them and trying to capture the ghostly thing that makes folk music folk music or jazz music jazz music because you can't really put those essences into words but they all bring up something for somebody so when I'm writing songs for example I'm kind of just writing the song but then I realize that they're a jazz song all, <laughs> all the time and sometimes I realize they're a folk song but ultimately they're just a song so I'm never gonna make the kind of prescriptive choice to say that my music lives in only one world. I think that what happens when I try to put my music in a particular genre is I want to excel at it and I want to do right by that genre and that usually curbs whatever pure kind of improvisational or compositional expression I want to make. Usually it's just an adaptation to what I actually hear versus what diagnostic term has been given to what other people have heard in the past. presentation of iMusic that I'm doing for my residency this year is the completion of the suite that I wrote for the for last year's April show and basically I'm weaving together all of the themes that I introduced in the first installation in order to wrap them up kind of the way that a year later as I can see more clearly the relationship between sight and sound seems to be shifted 
just the way that the themes shift and grow as I remember them. Of every lover dancing On what remains Of every ghost you thought You ever really loved In addition to the iMusic performance that's happening on April 20th, I'll be a part of Bill Orchid's Guitar Quartet in late March, which is a total honor because he's been an inspirational guitar player to me for years. I love performing at Roulette because it feels like I'm performing someplace very legitimate, but there's none of the pressure to serve some imaginary quantifying master when I do it. So. When I get to play, or I get the opportunity to play there, I feel like the only thing I'm called to do is play the best I can, not please some judge. <laughs> but I think what I mean is, Roulette gives genuinely experimental musicians a place where their music can be taken seriously and where they can take it seriously, and that is increasingly rare. collection of live recordings of the music of Wendy Eisenberg. The full performances can be streamed on demand at roulette.org archive. These podcasts are made possible in part with support from the Grammy Museum and the National Endowment for the Arts. Our executive producer is David Weinstein. I'm Susan James. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to the Roulette Tapes a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.